Nerds and geeks, hold on to your seats because it's about to go down. Welcome to Nerdorama, the voice of the nerd nation. I'm Mo Kelly, he's Tawala Sharp, and together we bring you your daily dose of nerd news, analysis, and conversations with the best and brightest of the nerdverse. Spacecraft Odyssey 2 is set to launch on a mission to retrieve a foreign object that could potentially save mankind. The plan quickly goes awry when five untrained kids use their parents' security clearances to sneak onto the empty ship. Soon after they board, the onboard AI system, and that's important, triggers the launch sequence. We're going to speak to the person who's responsible for this debacle. Unable to stop the ship from blasting off, the kids must assume their new role as astronauts and brave harrowing tasks as their parents rush to find a way to take control of the situation. Paige Howard plays Matilda, the spacecraft Odyssey 2's onboard AI system, and she joins me now on the program. Ms. Howard, a pleasure to have you on. How are you doing today? Thank you for making time. Oh, oh, the pleasure is all mine. I'm so happy to be here. I've been watching all of these commercials and promotions for the astronauts, and this may be a show on Nickelodeon, but I get the sense, although the primary cast may be younger actors, with the exception of you, of course, this is a show which is intended to have a broad appeal. Is that fair to say? Oh, 100%. When I received the first episode, I gave it a watch, and I was just so blown away because it looks so good. And one of the big appeals for me when I was first considering, you know, auditioning for the the part was that it's about space and science. And I feel like, you know, now more than ever, that's something where the whole family can sit down, watch this show, and then have some really great conversations about it. This is a once-in-a-lifetime deal to sneak onto the ship. Hello, Samantha. Ah! Welcome aboard Odyssey 2. Just chill. We're golden. Commencing launch sequence. Dad, we didn't touch anything. Three. Everybody strap in. Two. This is not an amusement park. No kidding! It's way cooler! Sammy, there's something really weird outside. Catastrophic failure in 31 minutes. It's okay. I told you, we're golden. Stop saying that. Every time you say that, something very bad happens. I'm loving this kid. We have to be the very best we can be. Otherwise, we're gonna die up here. We get to do a bunch of stuff up here that most kids only dream about. Let's not forget we have five kids on that vessel. Well, they're not kids, they're astronauts. This production, to your point, was no small feat. From the number of sets to the special effects, I've been racking my brain and I can't think of a more audacious or bold effort by Nickelodeon. What was the process like to make this as believable as possible for viewers? There's some outstanding special effects. I know, it really, really is. 
when COVID hit, they had four episodes filmed and I was just getting ready to be sent to a, a sound studio to start laying down tracks. And then I'm in New York City, so everything completely shut down. So the people at Nickelodeon got really innovative and really creative. And together we set up a pretty pristine sound studio in my my little New York City closet. And I was working from there. So I actually haven't been on set. I've never met the kids. I obviously fangirl them like crazy on Instagram because I think they're incredibly talented. But I, like you, am blown away by what they're doing. And the more footage they send over to me, the more impressed I am. So it's really a great watch. It really is incredible. That is fascinating. I have to go back and get that. You were in a homemade makeshift sound studio in your closet to help lay down your tracks. You're not even interacting directly with the cast. How do you develop some sort of of synergy or some sort of rapport in an acting sense when you're completely divorced from the physical production? It's a totally different ballgame than I'm used to. You know, I, I went to NYU Tisch and I was trained as a very physical actress and I, I'm naturally a very physical person and very animated. So this was a different thing. But the way it worked for the whole production was they would just send over clips and then I'd have the director, the director on one screen, the director and the producer on one screen. Um, and then the editor was there as well. And then I'd have my laptop like underneath you know, on another surface, and then I'd have the recording system, you know, hooked up to, you know, my clothing pole. So it was it was sort of all over the place, but they would just show me clip by clip, and then we, were, we would run through it. At first, it was a little more challenging because I was getting used to the whole system. And then very quickly, you know, I think also just because the footage is so good and the kids are so clear, it kind of just transported me, and I felt like I was there and and the more comfortable I got, the easier everything became. And, and we were off, off and flying. Everybody strap in! Okay. Uh, there are only four seats. Got it. Come on, door. Uh, oh, hurry, hurry, hurry. Come on. T-minus one minute. Close locks and LH2 outboard fill and drain valves. Until the show. No stopping it now. Engines, all five are go. Oxygen. We're at capacity, sir. Lynn, open comms. Guys, we've done everything we can down here. Sorry, we're uh we're out of options. Oh my god. Oh my god. We are actually blasting off in the space! But, uh, I mean, I, I can't. You're going to be okay, son. You said something that I think is really important and I think needs to be highlighted. You said you auditioned for this role, and I say that against the backdrop of the Howard name being both a boon and I suspect a burden for you as you make your way in this business. How did you go about trying to navigate both in just your career and also this project? industry is is really quite small, actually. So I've auditioned for Nickelodeon before, and I've auditioned for Imagine before. And I I love the fact that in some capacity, I can go and collaborate with my father. I feel very, very proud about that. But when this part came along, it was one of those things where it's just such a darn good script. Mm -hmm. And I've since I first got started, of course, I wanted to, to work with Nickelodeon. Yeah, I auditioned and I went through the whole auditioning process. And um, I think my dad really stayed out of it and let everyone else kind of 
take that up and, and decide for themselves whether they wanted me or not. And and they did. It was a good fit all around. Everyone was really happy. And and most of all, me, I'd say, because it was just such an awesome project to get to work on. You know, it's, it's interesting. It's very different being, you know, being a Howard in this business. And there is pressure that I feel, of mm-hmm. course, naturally. Not, you know, I, I think, you know, because I, I, I want to do good work and I, I obviously want to make my, my family proud. I think every person does, no matter what you do. But I, I want to do good work. So I feel that. But that's OK. Pressure isn't a bad thing. Pressure can be a really good thing. What do you think viewers will be able to take away from this? It's on Nickelodeon, but it's not necessarily just for kids. They're put in some harrowing situations. There are some real consequences to their decisions. What are some of the other takeaways or things we might notice when watching The Astronauts? There are many, but I'd say a couple that that stand out are it's about uh, when you're faced with a problem. And I think this is something that we can all relate to now in 2020. It's about being solution oriented and not being reactive instead being really solution oriented and i think that that's an important takeaway it's also about the power of relationships and coming into your own personal power trusting yourself and i think the big biggie is teamwork working together she is paige howard co-star of nickelodeon's new show the astronauts on nickelodeon miss howard it's a pleasure to speak with you i appreciate your willingness to suffer like the rest of us as we try to forward ourselves in this career i have the radio studio in my closet as well so i i completely understand and i wish you nothing but success for you and the astronauts going forward thank you thank you so much i appreciate it Dun, 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 dun. Finally, a superhero team I can actually get behind. Mm. A superhero team I can actually use. Took you emo navel gazers long enough to work through your bullshit. After 13. Oops. Thirteen pointless, meandering episodes of character-driven schlock. We can finally get to the show that everyone wanted to see in the first place. A superhero show! Right versus wrong. Good versus evil. Hero versus villain. That's me. (laughs) television movies cartoons video games actor alan tudyk does it all and he's as arguably famous as a voice as he is an on-screen actor movies like dodgeball serenity i robot my father tried to teach me human emotions they are difficult you mean you're a designer yes so why'd you murder him i did not murder dr lanning Want to explain why you were hiding at the crime scene? I was frightened. Rogue One, a Star Wars story. I'm K2SO. I'm a reprogrammed Imperial droid. I remember you. I see the Council is sending you with us to Jeddah. Apparently so. 
That is a bad idea. TV shows such as Firefly, Con Man, Powerless, just to name a few. Now on the Sci-Fi Channel's new show, Resident Alien, based on a Dark Horse comic series, Alan Tudyk is taking on the role of Harry, an alien who has crash-landed and taken on the identity of some small-town Colorado doctor with a mission to kill all humans, which suddenly becomes a little bit more complicated than he imagined. Resident Alien airs Wednesday nights, but right now I'm joined by its Emmy-nominated actor and star, Alan Tudyk. What a pleasure to speak to you, sir. How are you doing today? Thank you. I'm doing really well. I'm doing really well. Alan, you went from Plano, Texas, to Juilliard, to Broadway, to Hollywood, TV, movies, cartoons, and video games. Was this type of versatility the plan from the beginning? Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All a big, elaborate plan. I definitely wanted to do Broadway. I, I, I started out in theater and uh, moved to New York to go to school and wanted, I started out off Broadway. The first show I did, my first professional job in New York was this off Broadway show called Bunny Bunny, where I played 24 characters within this one show. I was like, come on, as a guy from Chicago who <laughs> only has one eye and lost his thumb in a lathe accident, because he makes his own furniture. And, and then, I come back on as a French waiter and then I run off stage and change and I'm this woman who's hysterical because she just lost her husband. She left her and, and I got my foot in the door that way and it's kind of been similar to that. Since like I play a lot of characters. Like it's just a <laughs> quick change and I'm a pirate, quick change and I'm a robot. Now I'm a, now I'm an alien. Sort of been the, the blueprint. Well, obviously, you can't be typecast as an actor, but is there a role you are most recognized for or people call on you to recreate? Is it Steve the Pirate that you just mentioned, or is it your voices or something like that? I did a TV show called Firefly in, uh, I think you probably know that, yep. uh, 2003, Josh Whedon show, space show. I played Wash, uh, plucky pilot. <laughs> really close to me, like as far as my personality. I meet people who who know that show because those are the people who will come up and say, I love Firefly because their their fans are, it's, it's kind of a cult hit. And the people who know, know. So that's the one I meet people with the most. I'll hear Gar and Yar coming from big crowds from time to time. If I'm just sort of standing in line, I'll hear a, off in the distance, Yar! <laughs> I'm either being followed by pirates or people are shouting out that no dodgeball sees a pirate. But those, those are the main ones. It is about the matter of payment from your membership. Steve, be a touch short this month. That's all right, Steve. Just pay me when you get the money. The Dread Pirate Steve be in no man's debt. I'll make a barter with you, true's in our star. Right. In exchange for your kindness, I'll be splitting me buried treasure with you. <laughs> Once I find it, that be... That's not going to be nice. I'm flattered by the gesture. But honestly, just, you know, a couple, couple bucks here and there, I think we'll be fine. Now let's go to Colorado. You are from another world and it seems like whenever you're doing sci-fi you're crash landing you're crashing a spaceship and this is no different you crash land with dreams of sugar plums and human anni right. annihilation dancing in your head but as this resident alien something doesn't go as planned what derails you from your plan to kill everybody the hope for season two really it's what <laughs> if he kills all of humanity then really what do you what do you have to <laughs> What do you have to do in another season? You know, he takes over this human form of Harry Vanderspiegel, and he's never 
he had no plans to even meet humans. He was just going to do a quick flyby, drop this extinction level event weapon on the planet and go back home. But since he's forced to interact with humans and wear this human body around, he starts to feel, he starts to dream, he starts to get to know people, he starts to understand humans a little bit better. And he gets conflicted because he has emotion and it, it affects his thinking. So I'm not, no spoilers, I'm not going to say he doesn't kill everyone <laughs> on Earth uh, in season one, but there's a chance he might. Excuse me, sir. You Dr. Harry Vanderspiegel? What can I help you with? We had ourselves a murder in town last night. You're a doctor. We need you to come down and take a look at the body. Doctor. This is awesome. A good mystery, figuring out what happened. Like law and order. Alright, look, that's one creepy some bitch. Y'all see that, right? I have to prove I fit in, that I'm normal like them. What the hell? There's something wrong with that mask. Who even are you, Harry Vanderspiegel? Just a normal human. <laughs> this town looks like a slice of Americana, but trust me, it has an underbelly. My son told me you're an alien. Well, you don't have anything to worry about. I'm not an alien. Thank you for coming over. He obscures his original form, but some people can see through his facade and see him for his alien being. Right. How does that work? There's a kid, this 10-year-old kid, played by Judah Prem, and he is actually a 45-year-old woman. No, uh, Judah's <laughs> actually a 10-year-old boy, playing a 10-year-old boy. And he can see through my molecular disguise. It's like a, he has a genetic disposition, one in a billion people on the planet would be able to see through this disguise. And this kid in this little town in Colorado can see through his disguise. So Harry's like, well, I have to kill him. Certainly. Well, first go to the grocery store, pick up my cleaning and then kill the boy. But the kid is very tough to kill. He's not going to go quietly. And they become sort of nemesis for one another. You know, sort of a grudging respect starts to grow over the first season as they both are trying to take each other out. It's a fun, it's a really fun dynamic. And the character is Max. Whenever Max is there, you see Harry as Max season. So you get to see me in my alien form, just wearing a flannel shirt and jeans. So it requires a little makeup time uh, whenever Judah's around, but it's a really fun dynamic. That Those two characters are, are great. I imagine, as I've seen your other work, that you are very comfortable with improvisation and maybe just freestyling some of these scenes. Were you given that latitude to be more of your comedic self with some of these scenes? Yes. There's a lot of comedy in it, and Chris Sheridan, who took it from the comic book form and made it into the show, He's the showrunner, he encourages that. I do it a lot, you know, the physical stuff, like some of it, like Harry has to learn how to use this body. He doesn't, he can't make it work at first. So there's a scene, I remember we were shooting, I think it was like the end of the day. It's just like, we need Harry not working his body very well. We've got a chicken for him to eat and that's it. What, what do you got? We're going <laughs> to turn on the camera and let's get some stuff going. And so I was like, well, let me take off my pants. <laughs> I think the underwear would be best in this scene. And uh, let's just walk around a little bit and try to make these legs work. And 
falling down. Let me try to sit down in a chair. Let me let me just go after the chicken for a while. And then so there's a lot of places just to play. And then of course lines here and there. You come up with a joke in a moment and you just go with it. And they're they're all for it. Well. I'm all for it. I cannot wait to see Resident Alien, which airs Wednesday nights. I just want to thank my guest and star, Alan Tudyk, who has joined me right now. Alan, it's been a pleasure to speak with you, and I will be tuning in each and every Wednesday. Thank you for coming on, sir. Cool. I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much. It's great. Hey guys, Mo Kelly here. The new daily Nerdorama podcast is featured on iHeartRadio. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast feed to get your daily dose of nerd news. Also available on iTunes, Spreaker, and all the top podcasting apps. It's free and perfect for everyone in your nerd family. Nerdorama is produced by Tuala Sharp and continues to be a segment on the Mo Kelly Show. Weekends on KFI Los Angeles. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Nerdorama News. Until next time, keep it comic.